This is an interesting passage, in my opinion. So we're going we're to open this up a little bit more. I hope today to where you understand it. I read a brief synopsis not long ago of the Proverbs that we have covered so far. And in it are these simple words. It's a very simple statement here, okay? Get wisdom or act and look like a fool. I think that pretty well sums it up quite well, uh, in, in my opinion at least. We've been hashing over week in and week out Solomon's word initially to his son or sons or children, whoever he was addressing here. And then we've been able to look at these same words and see how they transcend time and carry over to us today. Valuable lessons all concerning wisdom, discernment, and care and how we carry ourselves day to day, whether that be in our spiritual life or our physical life, in how we deal with our spouses and family and to how we deal with folks that maybe we don't even know. Today, though, Solomon kind of changes his thinking a little bit. We might even call it changing gears and going in a different direction. And yet, I think this thought in our reading today carries over from what we've really said up until now. That thought is to make a commitment to what you are doing in life, no matter what that might be, and be all that God wants you to be. Maybe we could even say God expects you to be. Give everything that you are to His honor and glory and be all that God wants you to be. Now, not everyone does that at least having honored God as their number one priority. And yet, this simple lesson is one that anyone can learn and use in life. In fact, most of us learn this at a very early age, whether we're, we're a follower of Christ, whether we're, we're churchgoers, whatever the, the, the title that you might want to use in that kind of life. But it all starts with a simple lesson that we're going to learn today. And it begins with, of all things, an ant. It's funny, as I was preparing this sermon uh, today, this was several weeks ago, I have to have music on. I cannot stand silence when I'm working, okay? I have got to have sound, and music is the normal thing for me. And the song that was playing at the moment was, uh, as I was writing this, was by a group called The Grassroots. Now... Anyone over 50 probably has heard of who the grassroots are, okay? I get some nods here. There's probably going to be some others that will have a blank look about them. But this song was Live for Today. I found that very interesting, just kind of ironic almost. Well, that's the mantra for a lot of people, is it not? Don't worry about tomorrow. Shoot, Jesus even tells us that, preacher. And if I suppose if you look at Matthew 6.34 on its own merit, that's what Jesus says, okay? Look at these words. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough of its own worries. And if you took that one verse out of context, it would look kind of like Jesus is countering what Solomon is saying here. But I want you to look also at verses uh, 25 through 33 of Matthew 6. 
Does worry add one minute onto your life? Will it feed you or clothe you? No. And yet, look at Luke in the, in the parable Jesus gives us concerning the man who was going to build a tower. Luke 14, 28. The question is asked, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not sit down first and what? Count the cost. Whether he has enough to be able to complete the task or not. In other words, how can we build or plan on building without being worried about tomorrow? To that end, go back to verse 32 in Matthew 6. And it says this, But your Father in heaven knows that you need them all. Then verse 33 hits it. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Does that mean that all we have to do is just sit back and wait for someone to bring us a nice, big, fat, juicy steak while we contemplate God and His righteousness? No, not at all. That we don't have to worry about building that tower. We just go out and start building the tower without a care in the world. Not unlike what it looked like Jim Baker used to do at PTL. Because at times it just looked like he just had an idea. All right, let's go on TV and let's promote this thing, okay? That's how it looked, but it really wasn't. I don't think it was that way at all, quite honestly. I believe that we are to get out and to work and plan ahead, making sure for ourselves and for our families that we are taken care of, that we are as ready as we can be, not only for today, but for tomorrow as well. Now, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, If anyone is unwilling to work, let him not eat. That's tough. The Apostle Paul was rather straightforward in his thinking here. And yet, he proceeds to tell us that some who could work wouldn't or didn't work. Yet, if we were able to work, we need to go about it quietly and earn our own living. In other words, we're to take care of our families and ourselves. We're to plan, yes, for today. But we are to plan for our future as well. But we're not to fret if things get tough. You know, I think oftentimes, I know for myself, I worry about things in life that never actually happen. You ever do that? We spend more time worrying about frivolous things that will never take place. And then God puts it to you, at least to me, and I have to just look up and laugh because... It's never what I think it's going to be. Never as severe as I think it's going to be. And I'll just say, all right, Lord, I get it. Thanks again. And he's up there going like, what do I have to do? You know? They will for all of us. At one point or another, things will get tough in life. It's just going to happen. We understand that. Or we should expect it almost. But we are to look to God to get us through those tough times. Now, let's go back to our reading this morning. Proverbs 6. He starts our reading with words like this. This is my thinking here. Consider the ant, you lazy bum. I mean, that's what oh sluggard means. It means lazy one, okay? Now, my thought here 
Solomon probably just walked into one of his kids' rooms at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and that kid's still piled up in bed, okay? Here Solomon has worked a a good day's worth of work already, and he comes in, and and this, this joker of a son that he's got is still camped out in bed, and he looks at the guy and he says, Consider... The, the ant, you lazy bum. You know, it makes sense that way, right? Solomon harps on this particular subject of being lazy, slothful, we might read in, our, in the scriptures in other places. But if you look further in Proverbs, Solomon says things again. Proverbs 10, 4 and 5 talks about lazy hands make a poor man, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in the summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Proverbs 12, 24, diligent hands will rule. Laziness ends in slave labor. Proverbs 13, 4, 21, 5, 30, verses 24 and 25. All talk about diligence versus laziness. Even talking about Ants, again, in in verse 25 of chapter 30, virtually reflecting what he is saying in our reading this morning. That is, ants don't have much going for them up here, but they have to store food in the summer. It's really about being lazy, slow, maybe even thoughtless mentally, physically, and perhaps even spiritually. On top of that, I believe that Not only could Solomon be addressing us as individuals here, but he could also be talking to us as the church. Now, in our passage for this morning, from verse 7 and on, we see a few examples to contemplate here. First, the ant has no ruler or chief. No one telling them what to do. No one to direct them. No one to send them off to certain tasks to make sure that they're done before the day is over. Yet what do they do? They do the work at hand, gathering food for themselves for a time when it's not feasible for them to go out and do it. They do the work at hand, gathering food for themselves for a time when it's not going to be possible for them to be out and do it. It's done day by day as well. In the meantime, there is rest for the weary soul. But if you lay around too long, poverty, Solomon says, will attack you and your home. That's one thing that I don't think you have to worry about the ants. I mean, look at them. Look at their life, okay? You'll have needs. Not unlike... It's an interesting description here that Solomon gives, but you will have needs here that that look like needs and wants, not unlike an uh, an armed man. Think about the desperation there. We're going to talk about desperation again in a minute. Meaning like desire like a thief, wanting something that someone else has because they haven't gone out to earn it for themselves. It's a rather harsh assessment, but fairly accurate, I would say, wouldn't you? Solomon does compliment ants, though, in chapter 30. He calls them wise. They're not necessarily that strong, though, that we know they can carry things many times their own weight. And yet, in the grand scheme of things, the weight that they carry pales in comparison to what other animals and, and their weight can carry. 
Yet Solomon calls them wives. Kind of follows suit with the old statement, work smart, not hard. They're constantly moving, though. Watch them sometimes. They're fascinating, if not aggravating, okay? I've got stories about ants from where I live. David, you may have run into some of those in our um, neck of the woods as well. But movement, doing something, is what they are called to do. Now, we say that ants are wise, but they have no leader, which is an interesting thought, okay? Yet, look at what they're able to do. The queen heads up the family. The, The queen can live up to 30 years. Did you know that? The queen can live up to 30 years. But their role is not to lead. The role of the, of the queen is merely to reproduce. Think about that one as well. Go back and watch the movie Ants. Everybody watched, have you ever seen the movie Ants? It's, it's funny. On Friday morning at a Friday Arts Project, we talk about some movies that, that people have watched. And Kurt and Sarah and some of the others that are there. That Oh, have you watched this? Have you read this? Have you done this? And I'm going like, I watched Ants. Huh? Yeah, boy. So, I mean, but Ants is a really fascinating movie. And it's more accurate than you might think. So watch it some point in time. Look at them and then look at yourself, okay? Anyway. I know, I know. But anyway, uh, ants have certain responsibilities that they are born with, depending on their size and gender. There are workers, there are soldiers, and then there are other possible responsibilities that some of the ants may have, okay? Yet they work in unison, not to the good of one particular family or one small body of ants. They work for the good of the entire uh, colony. Now, the colder the area they live, the more dormant they become, the less time they have to be able to work, and the harder they have to work to be able to do the job at hand. For instance, if you go to Florida at any point in time, you will very seldom see a dormant ant colony, okay? They're always working, uh, 365 days a year. And yet, if you go to a place like New Hampshire, you're going to find that ants don't work nearly as long during the year. Why? Because it's so cold. And that's what they've been storing all this food up for in the first place, okay? It is to make sure that the entire colony is able to be maintained during the winter. But when dormancy comes, you will find ants are ready for that downtime. They are wise enough to be able to go out and work extremely hard to the point where they can be prepared for when it gets really, really cold. They will not be caught short or unaware. Hence the described wisdom of the ants, as Solomon has just given us. On the other hand, let's look at the lazy person for a minute. Now, classically, we think of a sluggard, as Solomon calls him, or as a bum, we might call him in in slang terms. Slothful, we hear again in other parts of the scriptures we said a little while ago. We might think of this person who, one who won't, for whatever reason, work. And yet, though this might be a classic definition of, or description, there's more to it than that. Oftentimes, we might even be considered all this way if you think about it, 
Okay? We might be considered lazy at times. But oftentimes, don't we fail to prepare? Don't we take an afternoon off when we really should be out doing some work? Okay? Doing whatever it is that we need to do to maintain our family. Maybe we can look at this beyond just the individual. Maybe we can look at this as the church as well. Maybe we lose focus on what we're doing at times. That, that, that can happen, can't it? We get so engrossed in day-to-day life, we forget the church. Or, or maybe we're so focused on the church, even to, a, to an extent, our study of the Bible, we lose focus on our immediate family. Now that one's not going to happen too often, but the possibility is indeed there. Maybe our job takes us away. Maybe an illness. So many possibilities here. Sometimes, don't we just get plain tired? It's so hard at times to be able to put one foot in front of the other. Maybe we get tunnel vision concerning certain matters. We, we just get so caught up in exterior things, we tend to forget to, the inner, uh, to tend to the inner self or to the family or, or to the church, whatever it might be. Going back to the ant, they, they are active a large portion of the time, but they're focused on the task at hand. They are constantly preparing, oftentimes with little rest. Now, hear this. I am not saying forego sleep. We must rest or the body isn't going to function properly. But we need to focus in one form or another. Since my retirement, I've learned some things about myself, good, bad, and maybe indifferent. It drives me nuts to sit around and do nothing. I cannot stand it. I have to keep my mind constantly in motion. Otherwise, if I, if I do shut it off from time to time, I will suffer for it. I lag getting things done, which only compounds a lot of headaches, if nothing else, by, by going at things, not so much haphazardly, but full bore, we might could say. I, I don't often take the time to think things through, and I'll go off half-cocked. The session of this church knows that. And the session of this church is really, really good at throttling me back oftentimes, which is exactly what I need. You know, that's where their wisdom comes into play here. Now, others respond or react the opposite to me. They, they plan, they strategize, whatever other term you might want to use before they put their plans into action. It's kind of like the tortoise and the hare a lot of times. You know, they had the same goal But the tortoise went about it one way and the hare went about it the other way. And we see who won, okay? Slow and steady wins the race, I think is the old saying there. But I cannot just sit. It does not work. Maybe you're like one or the other of my examples here. Either way, they can have advantages and disadvantages, I suppose. But we can't afford to get distracted and lose sight of our goals, no matter what those goals may be. And yet, no matter what our biological clock is set to do, we can't afford to just quit doing and go to sleep. This is what Solomon is saying in this example with the ant. 
Think about it. You get a certain amount of sleep that your body requires, and what happens? You get up refreshed and ready to go, don't you? Maybe you start a little slow, but you've got enough energy to be able to make it through the day to do the appointed tasks that you had, to meet those goals that you had before the day even started. But sleep too long, and what happens? You slow down even more. And it seems the more you sleep, the more you won't sleep. Okay? And I mean W-A-N-T, not W-O-N apostrophe T there either. Another thing about the ant. You ever see a long line of ants? One walking behind the other as good soldiers would do. I got to tell you a quick little story. And it's down on where David used to live right down below me. We had a line half block long about yay wide of ants. It's a it's the weirdest thing I ever saw in my entire life. It just looked like a black long line going from, you know, half a block. But that's how the ants do, okay? Now, if you put your foot down in the middle of them, yeah, you're going to get a few. But at the same time, what are they going to do? Are they going to stand there and do nothing? No! They're going to find a way around that foot, aren't they? Well, do something even better. This way you can just stand back and watch them. Take a rock and put it in the middle of that line, okay? And you will see that they're not just going to stand there and be satisfied walking into that rock piling on top of each other. They are going to go around that rock. Now, they may not continue the line, but they're going somewhere, and they're doing something. I never stopped to ask one of them what they were going to do in, in place of, but they're there, they're doing something, okay? They are focused They are goal-oriented, and nothing short of death is going to stop them. And then it's the next man, or in this this case, I guess, it's the next ant up. There is no giving in. There is no giving up. What will happen to the ant if the ant stops doing anything? Think about that for just a second. It's not going to be good for the rest of the colony. If one sees another quit working, the end of the line is going to come for that family or for that nest or whatever. Think of the queen. If the queen decided one day during that 30-year stretch that she is alive that she just don't want to have kids no more, what's going to happen? She dries up and there's no one to back her up or take her place What is going to happen? Within hours, that entire nest will die. Isn't that amazing? All right, Elder, you've you've been very entertaining with your stories about ants. Big whoop. What does this have to do with me? Or what does it have to do, maybe more importantly this morning, with the church? Poverty can be defined in a number of different ways. For some, poverty, not having enough money to put the next meal on the table. That's their definition. And while we as adults might be able to miss a meal or two, the same should not be said about our children. Poverty, for some, can be the lack of funds to buy the next big video game, at least before it goes on sale next week. Poverty can pertain to things other than financial Poverty can be a lack of love in someone's life. It can occur when a spouse dies, for instance. A lack of education 
Any number of possibilities, any number of ways to define poverty. But classically, money, I think, since so many of us think that the world will not go round without it, let's just stop at money for a second. We've already talked about the Apostle Paul's thinking about someone not working than not eating. But did you know that if we have one dollar in our pocket, one dollar, we have more money upon our bodies than over half the world. Think about that. One dollar in your pocket. We don't even think about a dollar anymore. We think about dollars now the way we used to about pennies when I was a kid. But a dollar. And we have more riches upon us than over half the world. It is amazing if you think about it. Verse 9 of our reading this morning, Solomon asks, How long are you going to lie there? When are you going to rise up from your sleep? Well, God's going to take care of everything, preacher. Do we use God as an excuse when things don't get done? Or when things don't go right in our life, do we blame Him? Because we haven't done anything about it. We've just waited for God to take care of things. We miss opportunities because we are waiting on God to move when in fact it should be us who should be moving. We're the ones that He is pushing along to do whatever it needs to be done. Poverty can occur when we least expect it as well. I just mentioned that poverty can occur when a spouse uh, passes away. How many folks do we know or have known that it took having a, a family or, or everything a family uh, made to be able to survive as that family? If the spouse passes away, if a spouse is lost for one reason or another, it makes it very, very difficult. In fact, in places at times it makes it almost impossible for a family to continue on with it. With the loss of a spouse goes a hefty amount of the income. Insurance is expensive and highly aggravating at times, okay? But it's necessary, I believe, to plan for the future of your family. I never thought in my entire life that I would ever promote insurance. And that's probably the nicest thing that I'll ever say about insurance, okay? We must be prepared just as the ant prepares for hard times you and I must do the same thing. What about the church? Look at Revelation 2, 8 and on. John writes Jesus' words here to the church in Smyrna. Verse 9 says, I know your tribulation and your poverty. In parentheses it says, though you are rich. They are spiritually poor. Chapter 3 to the church in Sardis. I know you, your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but, what? but you are dead. I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Chapter 3, verse 14, the church in Laodicea. We are, you are neither hot nor cold. You are lukewarm, and I will spew you out of my mouth. That, folks, is the definition of spiritual bankruptcy. That is spiritual poverty, and that is what we must be on guard against in the church. 
Not only Hill City, but the church universal. We must do our part, as every ant does in their colony. We must do the same. But I ask you, is we're, we're preparing, are we preparing for those tough days? Are we preparing for times when it might seem that perhaps maybe we're trying to be shut down for whatever reason, or whatever the case may be? We're, we're, are, are we doing enough within our own families or within our own church family to be able to ensure our future? What is that looking like? There must be preparation always. Now, we're making a, a greater effort to prepare our children in this church now. Greater than, than when I first started here. And that has nothing to do with me. That has to do with every single one of you all. There had to be a desire there and there had to be a reason to implement a plan and we are in the process of implementing that plan. It is not something that once we put in place, that's it, we don't have to do anymore. No, this is an ongoing thing and it will continue to be as long as there are children of any age in this church. Understand that. But is that enough? There's got to be preparation at home. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but someone is listening today who maybe has not been telling Bible stories to their children. My question is theirs. What are you waiting on? The session of this church has been working diligently on discipling the oldest to the youngest person in this church. It is a lifetime job. There is breath in you. You are not too old to learn more about God's Word. Study to show yourself approved. A worker who need not be ashamed, rightly handling the Word of truth. If you want to look that one up, 2 Timothy 2.15. I might even say, memorize it. If we do not prepare ourselves each and every day in some form or fashion... Reading, studying, praying, getting involved with a micro group, sharing what you know and asking question after question to others when you don't know or understand, we will find ourselves candidates for spiritual poverty. Is that what you want? That's what's being asked here. Are we fulfilling the great commission each and every day that we go out into the world? If we sit around and are satisfied with where we are in Rock Hill, not looking to grow, just being okay with who we are, we run the risk of stagnating and becoming spiritually broke. Is that what we want? Look at verse 11 of our reading today. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and won't like an armed man. An armed man is desperate. Folks, Satan is desperate. He is desperate for your soul and he is desperate for the soul of the church. We must be ready to fight. We must be willing and able to fight. Just as we work so very hard to take care of our family. To make sure that they have all the necessities of life. Maybe not the luxuries so much of life, but the necessities 
We should be ready to work if we need to, if we lose a job. If we need not say, well, I gave it my best. I really tried. I went out and looked for a job. Did you look for more than one? I got this at home right now. Did you look for more than one? Well, no, I just looked for that one. If I can't get it, I don't guess I was meant to have a job. No, wrong answer. Not, don't think that's the right attitude to have, do you? Not with the jobs that are out and about now. I mean, come on. My wife taught me a long time ago, and I have used this to help others throughout my, my time as a pastor. If you can look at the end of the day at yourself in the mirror and say truthfully that you have done everything that you could that day to do your best for your God and your family, you can rest well tonight. My wife's a pretty smart cookie. Now, granted, she married me, so that kind of <laughs> takes a little bit of that away from her, but she's pretty smart. As we close, I, I want to share with you a finding that I came across not long ago. And the funny thing it is, it concerns ants once again, okay? Controlled experiments with colonies of ants were done to determine how ants would respond to their defined roles and if based on circumstances, would choose a different role based on their experience. In other words, if what they were used to being doing, doing each and every day changed some way or another, what would they do? An entire generation of identical workers was divided into two groups whose outcomes in seeking food was controlled. One group was constantly rewarded with prey while it was made certain the other group would constantly fail. As a result, members of the successful group intensified their foraging attempts while the unsuccessful group ventured out fewer and fewer times. You think you know the end of the story here, don't you? A month later, the group of successful foragers continued in their role while the other group, who failed, changed their roles entirely to become more specialized within the nest. In other words, when they failed at what they were previously good at, they sought new roles and continued to work and be successful in a new, unique way. Do you see the wisdom of the ant here? Those ants whose day-to-day circumstances were altered whose previous way of doing things no longer worked, when circumstances outside their control changed, they did not give up. They did not give in. They were workers and they had a desire to work. They accepted the changes in their lifestyle, if you will, and they moved on to something else. Consider the ant this morning. Let's let nothing stop us from doing the kingdom work that we have all been called to do, both within the church and within our families. Let us do it to the honor of God our Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for stories, examples, such as something so minute, an ant, all extremely irritating at times. And yet, Lord, you've given them a specific purpose in this life, in this world. And they do it. They do it well. So we just ask you today, as Solomon has suggested, may we 
find uh, an example in the end. May we learn to focus more as they do, to continue with the tasks that we've been given, that we might do it to honor and glorify you in all that we do. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.